So it's October 25th, 2017. Our message this evening is called Freely. And uh, I don't mind telling you that usually when I'm on my way out of town, uh, I am dominated with this thought that if I never saw you again, if I didn't make it back, uh, what would be the last thing that I would want to tell you? And most of the time, that's been repent. <laughs> and, uh, and I know it's, it's, it's difficult. We are a ministry that preaches convicting words. It's how we live. We're serious about the gospel in the biggest possible way. Well, on my way out this time, I don't know if I'm more confident I'll return. Maybe that's it. All I can tell you is that has not been what is on our mind. We've come through a season of warfare in this ministry that is, uh, really, I haven't seen one like it since about 2000. And you know what? We're still standing here. And I'm just excited. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. I can't help but feel blessed by the Lord. So we're going to open up tonight, and uh, I hope this is going to be a gift to you. I think it might be the single most encouraging thing that I have ever contemplated when thinking about the goodness of God's Scripture. Amen? Amen. Uh, turn me to the book of Hosea. Hosea outpours God's wrath. It is a book that is uh, uh, intriguing to say the least. I know Brother Adarmes will always pull scriptures from it when he preaches. I've always enjoyed it. Uh, Hosea means deliverer, uh, redeemer. Uh, very similar to Joshua's nickname given by Moses, Hoshea. And uh, he's a contemporary of Isaiah and Hezekiah. He's got two sons and a daughter, all with very interesting names. And then he's got a wife unlike any wife you would ever want. Her name is Gomer. And um, I'm not going to be teaching about Hosea. I just want to say that the message that we're going to cover tonight are for those that have already had a revelation of what God's wrath on sinful humanity looks like. Assuming that you understand that God is just and humanity is depraved, if we could just step beyond that for a minute and look at a bigger picture, I think you're going to see something that's extraordinary. Is that okay? I intend to have fun with you tonight. Do you all mind talking to me tonight? Okay, so we're going to be in Hosea 14. If you're still looking for Hosea, you need to get past Ezekiel and Daniel. And as you slip into the minor prophets, you find Hosea. Amen. Amen. So in Hosea 14, pick up with me in verse 4. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. What an incredible passage. I will heal their what? And love them how? For my anger has turned away from them. If you have ever read good news anywhere, this has to be it. I will heal their waywardness and love them how? For my anger has turned away from them. If you had no other verse other than this one in the Bible, you have the body of divinity in miniature form. This one verse encapsulates the gospel. Understanding its meaning will make you a theologian. 
diving into its fullness will propel you into a master's of divinity. Living in its truth will transform you and sharing its truth will take others into eternity with you. Somebody say that's good news. How beautiful. He loves us freely. Say that with me. He loves us freely. Romans 9.30 puts it this way. What then? I'll give you a second to get to Romans 9.30. Come on now. Acts, Romans 9 and 30. Not 3.30. So Romans 9.30. What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith? Think about this. We neither deserved it, nor did we purchase it, nor even sought after it, and yet we obtained it. How? By faith. And once you've obtained it by faith, friends, it begins to obtain you. Something of this love of God gets on you, doesn't it? The moment you're really born again, you start to look at humanity differently. You can't help it. Once you start to understand the way that He loves you, you start to look at other people differently. How does He love us? How does He love us? Without preparation, without our capability, without our money, and without a payment plan, He loves us freely. Do you know how many things in life cost you something? Oh, goodness. The truth is, most kind things that we do for each other cost something. You know, you cut somebody's grass because you're really hoping that they will uh, water yours while you're gone. You feed their dog because next week your teenager is going to need a ride to baseball practice. That's not how God is. He loves us how? Oh, man, turn to Deuteronomy 15. When you find Deuteronomy 15, slide down to the seventh verse. If you haven't guessed, tonight our topic is, He loves us freely. In Deuteronomy 15, in verse 7, If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Come on now. Think on the beauty of a God who would say something like this. He doesn't extend you credited righteousness on the basis of viability or credit worthiness or on the basis of your net worth or your cash liquidity. In fact, it's on the basis of your... Poverty. Why does He extend you righteousness? Because it's on the basis of your poverty. When you don't feel fit to be loved is when you begin to experience His copious generosity. You start to realize how He loves you when you don't feel lovable. How does He love you? See, it's without cost. He's not there with qualifications saying, I will love you if... I will love you when. I will love you. He has shed His love abroad in our hearts freely. Oh, what an incredible revelation is that. 
So often we're thinking of what we can do for the Lord in this ministry, how we keep our vows, that we show our love for Him by keeping His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. And we preach that and we teach that. Tonight, I wanted to just turn over the very same coin and begin to think for a minute. He loves us freely. See, I was a wretched sinner when He first shed His love abroad in my heart. And I have had many wretched sins since then. And He continues to love me. Who do you lend to? The one who is poor. Oh man, what kind of God do we serve? You lend without expecting repayment. Do you know why? The people you're lending to can't repay you. If God asks that of us, it's because He's demonstrated it for us. Are you waiting to be more acceptable to God? Well, I want you to strive for acceptance, but you need to know something. He's already accepted you. He already loves you. He's already showing you that. In the book of Acts, he said, I gave you your crops in season, in season and out. He goes so far as to say it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. He is kind to all. Oh, come on now. That's good news. In Isaiah 55, verse 7. Tell me there when you're there. Wow, that brother's fast. How does he love us? Isaiah 55 and verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God. For he will freely pardon him. Oh, Jesus. Consider the unreserved love of our God. According to Hebrews 3.13, we can become hard-hearted by sin's deceitfulness. This causes our thoughts to go astray. Evil actions producing evil thinking. And yet, even when you have been hardened by sin, if we turn to Him, He has mercy on us. He freely pardons us. Our God loves unreservedly. Our God loves us freely. Our God loves us freely. He says about a wicked man, if he will turn, I'll have mercy on him. He says about that same man, he will freely pardon. See, that's love without condition. That is an incredible kind of love that ought to bring you confidence in our performance-oriented world. Come on, ladies, you ever stand in the supermarket and glance up and you see a magazine with some unreal plastic figure on it? It's been airbrushed six ways from Sunday and it's meant to catch everybody's attention and it's speaking one message to you. If you don't have siliconed this and Botox that and swollen this, then you don't have the same kind of worth everybody else has got. You ever felt the need to compete with the Joneses for a little while? Man, if I had this kind of car, if I had these kind of clothes, then I would have value. Our God loves us freely. What a good feeling of security. What an amazing safety. Loves us freely. In Proverbs 11, we see something incredible. It's Proverbs eleven twenty four. If you haven't caught it, we're going law, prophets, writings, just like always. 
because you can find God's free love in every section of the Bible. Amen. Proverbs eleven twenty four: One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. The magnificent, majestic mind of our God. He has designed His kingdom on the basis of loving, of lending, without hindrance. You have been taught that sin separates God from you. If that were true, how did any of us get saved? Sin doesn't separate us from, or does not separate God from you. It separates us from God. He loves us without withholding. He never comes to a place of emotional poverty where He is tired of loving you. He's never come to the place where He's given up on you. He's never come to the place where He says, You are just not worth it. I'm going to find somebody new. His loving kindness knows no bankruptcy. And therefore He gains even more. One more time, the proverb, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. If it's true of men, how much more of God? Because He loves freely, others are attracted to His love. If He withheld unduly, then He would be impoverished in that sense. It is His love that has won us over. We knew we deserved death. We were impoverished. We were unlovable. And yet, He loves us freely impoverished and yet he loves us freely see when you get married you say for riches or for poor that's because when you're standing there you don't know how bad it's going to get he knew exactly what you were when he proposed to you he knew how bad it could get and he loves you freely come on now he loves us freely you know, this does bring up another question. Earned love. Love that is a wage that has been worked for. Earned love is more like an occupation. Some might say the oldest occupation. Revelation 17.5 speaks about worked for love, earned love. Love is an occupation. It says, this title was written on her forehead. Mystery, Babylon, the great whore, the mother of prostitutes, and the abominations of the earth. In that light, do you want works for love? Do you want love as a wage? Do you want love as a business transaction? Or do you want some free love? I know, that was a strange term that came right out of the 70s. I also am a strange thing that came out of the 70s. It might sound like a strange thing for a pastor to say, do you want some free love? But let's be honest, you've been paying for it. Every time you punished yourself with withdrawal from him, you were trying to pay for it. Every time you fell into depression because you weren't worthy to be loved, you were trying to pay for it. Every time you waited to confess until you thought you were doing better and were thus more acceptable, you were trying to pay for it. 
The bride of Christ can't pay for love. She's a bride, not a whore. And you can't treat your transaction with the Lord like a whore. He loves you freely. How does he love you? Freely. How does he love you? Freely. See, there's no price attached to his love. He loves you freely. When you just can't feel the Spirit, he loves you when you just forgot to study, He loves you. When you forsook fellowship, He loves you. When you did it again, after promising it had never happened, He loves you. Sunday morning, Pastor Wade re-wet our souls with the saving knowledge that there are no victims here. Yes, but how are we more than conquerors? See, it's because He loves us. If the love came at a price, you'd be so indebted. If the love came with a qualification, you'd be disqualified. If the love needed credit worthiness, you would be bankrupt and fail out. You are more than a conqueror because He loves you. Romans 8.35 is an important passage. It's one that we could never state enough, one that we could never hang on enough. In Romans 8.35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, He loves us freely. Nothing can separate you from Him. Anytime that you turn to Him... He is there to love you freely. Anytime you forsake a wicked way, He is there to love you freely. Anytime you turn to Him in earnestness, He pardons you freely. Do you know why? He loves you freely. So what can hinder the love of a God that has been lavished on you like this? Nothing. Because He loves you free, without cost. Oh, come on, saints. Let that sink in for a second. We're not a denominational church with a pre-canned message. We're not told from Springfield, Missouri what we have to share. We pray and we seek the face of God to see what He wants to share with you. What does it mean that the God of the universe has one message to convey to you tonight? He loves you freely. Let's go back to Hosea 14.4 for a second. Because that's not all the verse says and that's not all the gospel is. In Hosea 14.4, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. He was angry, but he's now not angry. He knows that you're wayward, but because he loves you, he is going to heal your waywardness. Oh, come on, church. 
You may not think you're sitting here backslidden. And I don't think you're backslidden. I love the people in this church. I'm so impressed with your faith. But whatever tendency towards waywardness there is in you, do you know what cures it? His free love. The fact that His love compels you. The fact that He has not turned you out, but instead is drawing you towards Him. The fact that when you turn towards Him, He freely loves you and pardons you. Man, love in the world comes at such a high cost. Young people, what does popularity actually cost? Who do you have to slander? Who do you have to mock? Who do you have to belittle to be in that crowd? What does wealth and popularity cost in the world? But see, to be popular with God comes freely. That's incredible. He loves you enough to heal your waywardness. He loves us. He loves us. Titus 2.11 says how this happens. And this is such an important verse. We couldn't share it enough. In a time period where grace has been twisted into a license for immorality, they've misunderstood God's free love. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, what's the last part? Eager to do what is good. Why would you be eager to do what is good? Because he loved you freely. Because he cures your backsliding. Because he cures your waywardness. And he pardons you. So you don't serve him because you have to. You serve him because you love him. You are not doing good out of an obligation. You are not doing good because of your superior spirituality. You are not doing good because you've been perfected in a moral state. You are credited with righteousness because of your abject poverty in your soul, your inability, your bankruptcy. You are eager to do good because He has loved you. Oh, wow. See, when you experience that, when that permeates your heart, when that gets down into your soul, it changes things. It's one thing to serve someone because you're paid. It's another thing to serve someone because you're indebted. It's yet a whole other thing to serve someone because you passionately love them. He has loved you freely. How do you respond to something like that? Well, John was the one whom Jesus loved. That's how he refers to himself. It's an incredible thing. He drops his name out of the gospel altogether. I mean, he's a detailed guy. He writes four times in one chapter that he outruns Peter. So it's not like he can't count or he can't keep track of something. And he boils it down to something so simple. He says in 1 John four nineteen something profound. Something that we ought to dwell on tonight. Something that ought to motivate us. We love because He first loved us. 
Now, how did he love you? Freely. So how are you going to love him? Freely. See, we don't love him to get something from him. We don't love him into manipulating a blessing. We don't love him because we hope for some gain. We fell in love with him because he loved us without those qualifications. So we love him without those qualifications. When you've been loved freely, you want to love freely. When we share his love with others freely, they will want to reciprocate that love. Consider the way that the Newer Testament goes through these things. Let's go to Matthew 10, a familiar verse with a new twist. Matthew 10 and verse 7. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We are not fee for service. As saints of the living God, we imitate His behavior. We love in the way that He loved us. And how does He love us? You know, many people read this verse and what we're most fascinated with is that the sick are healed, the dead are raised, or that a demon has been driven out or somebody with leprosy cleansed. When you think about it, the more consistent miracle that this mentions is the idea that you would love someone without qualification, the idea that you would love someone for no reason, the idea that you would love someone without wanting any kind of repayment. That's a bigger miracle. It requires a bigger denial of our own self-nature. But that is exactly how we were loved and that is how we are to love. Amen? Amen. He loves us. It is because He loves us freely that we go to those who cannot afford to come to us. It is because He loves us freely that we expend ourselves in their service without cost. It is because He loves us freely that we host banquets for those who could never repay. It is because He loves us freely that we show up on moving day. It is because He loves us freely that we serve the least. It is because He loves us freely that we imitate His generosity financially, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He loves us freely. And so we freely love others. Come on now. Do you feel loved? Do you feel like there's a catch coming? Like fine print? Something that takes away the good thing that you've just been told about? Because there's not. He's been doing this for thousands of years. Thousands of years. You are not the first generation that he has loved freely. Every generation that comes, he reaches out to without cost. Every generation. And you know, most have not passed along what they've learned to the next. Sometimes when something comes freely, it's valued less. You know? I one time put an old appliance out at the street and said free. And nobody took it. 
Matthew and I talked about it for a few minutes. We put a sign on it that said $100. It was gone the next morning. There's something called perceived value in this world. And because we're skeptical by nature, you might not think that something given to you free is worthwhile. How precious is this free love of his? It cost a great deal. It wasn't free to him. In fact, it cost him a life of obedience. It cost him a death in obedience. It cost him every drop of blood in his body. It cost him a separation from the Father to give you this free love. So how much do you value? See, you have the opportunity. In fact, you're doing it. Every time you show free love to another, every time you love them without limitation, reservation, hindrance, without cost, when you, when you love them with the kind of copious generosity that God has loved you, you are showing how much you value what He has done. Look at the way Revelation 21.6 says this. Say there when you were there. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. The Lord placed no qualification on that drink other than thirst. We are thirsty. We have been given drink without cost. We are therefore giving drink without cost to all who are thirsty. <clears throat> Do you know any thirsty people? Have you come across any parched lands? How many broken cisterns have you encountered this week? The Lord loves without reservation, and so offer the spring of water of life without cost. We do what we do at Life Changing Ministries because He loves us freely. He loves us freely. And we want to demonstrate that to the rest of the world. We want to show everyone that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Tell me there when you were there. When I return from Israel with my covenant partners, it'll be time to send Buddy and Kim and Julia to Peru. They're obviously going to Peru because they have found a town that they can strike it rich in. <laughs> a people who are going to repay all of their service in fact, next time you see Buddy, he'll probably be in a Bentley. No, that's not true. Where he's going is not only dangerous, but it's impoverished. It's not only impoverished physically and financially, but it's impoverished spiritually. Why would you go somewhere like that? Because that's the exact condition that the Lord found Buddy in, and he loved him freely. So Buddy and Kim are going to look for others to love freely. They are doing what their father does because they are his children. Amen. You are his children and he's loved you freely. 
So you're going to love others freely. It's what you do. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. We have not received the spirit of the world. No, you should say amen there. Man, the spirit of the world. I am horrified driving down Highway 6, looking at people talking to themselves in their car. And when they're not talking to themselves and they're on a phone, they're saying yucky things. And when they're not on a phone saying yucky things, they're singing yucky lyrics. It's like the spirit of the world is an antichrist spirit. Just think about that for a minute. If Christ loves us, how? Then the world loves at what? Great cost. It's anti. It's opposite. They will do for you if you do for them. We do for others because they cannot do for us. That's how you pick them. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Oh, saints, what has He given you? How much revelation have you been given? How much mercy have you been given? How much joy have you been given? What has He freely given you? Oh, how can gratitude not swell up? I know it is. I know it's swelling up in your heart. There is no... There are no victims here. So gratitude is swelling in your heart because of the free love that the Lord has shed abroad in your heart. How can you not want to go to the world? I know that you do. I know that you do. And you know what? When you are generous, the Lord refreshes you. When you lend freely, He makes sure you always have enough. And we're not talking about money. Oh, man. I want to understand what He's given us. With no money in reserve, with no armed escort, without safety or security, and with no sinful wedges hidden under our mats, we freely give. We freely love. We continue in hardship, persevering into His presence because we want to bless others. When you understand what you have been freely given, you are the richest man in the world. Generous at all times and in all manners of things because He loves us freely. Oh, man. To know that you're loved freely. That ought to be an instant pick-me-up for you. If you failed at every other thing in life, you've not failed to be loved by your Heavenly Father. If everybody else in the room hates you, there's at least one who loves you. And he's more important than all of the others. Come on, church. What's going to separate you from the love of the Lord? He loves you freely. Ephesians 1.6 Hebrews 10 teaches us to come confidently into his presence with a sprinkled conscience. 1 Corinthians 2 says we've been entrusted with the secret wisdom... And that came before the beginning of the creation. This is because He loves us freely. In Ephesians 1.6, you see it written this way. To the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. Earlier I asked, who wanted some free love? Well, it's freely given us in one place, in Jesus. 
Whatever has tried to separate you from the love of God tonight, Jesus is the cure. Whatever wars against your soul tonight, Jesus is the cure. He loves us freely. It is because He loves us freely that He also said, I will heal their waywardness. I don't know about you, but I like the second part even more than the first part. Because you can believe that Jesus loves you and you not love you. You know what I mean? Come on, two of you know what I mean? You want me to help you break it down? You ever know that the Lord loves you, but you just cannot love you because of what you just did? Or what you know you can't stop doing? Or what you've done that you cannot fix? There is no way to repay? Come on now. See, he doesn't just love you freely. He goes a step further. He begins to fix you. <laughs> this means that he loved you while you were a scumbag, but he's turning you into something that is not a scumbag. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. We're going to be cured of our backsliding, cured of our waywardness because of His love for us. He hadn't quit on us. He's not given up on us. Oh, that might give you courage not to give up on you either. Let me show you the way to get to His heart. He's already getting to yours. I can feel it in the room. You want to be close to the Lord? Luke 18, 10. We're going to wrap this up in just a second. I had one point for you tonight. And that's that He loves you freely. I want you to know it. I want you to live in it. I want you to meditate on it in a way that it makes you wiser than the theologian, more divine than the master of divinity, more transformed than the transformers, in taking others with you into eternity. Luke 18, 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Come on now, can you hear how this man is trying to pay for it? Whether he's a pimp or a prostitute, I'm not sure, but I know he's no bride. Fishnet stockings, six-inch heels, whole can of hairspray, and on bisonette. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Listen, humble Christian. 
Let us readily admit our poverty and live in the lavish free love that will leave you justified in the presence of God. Not because of something that you've done, but because of something that He's done for you. Oh, man. You see why the world wants to twist this principle and why the worldly church has twisted this principle. When you live in His free love, it changes everything for you. In closing, I want to read you just one more scripture. This will come from 1 John. Peyton, make your way up here. <coughs> when you get to 1 John, discover the first chapter. Then land on the ninth verse. Free love transforms people. Free love compels people. Free love causes us to want to please the one who has loved us. Oh, church, we can experience more and more and more of His love because He gives it freely. You don't need a new credit card. You don't need to call the TV preacher. You don't need to put pebbles in your shoes or beat yourself with a sturgeon. All we have to do is call upon Him. And He will heal your waywardness. If there's some waywardness in you tonight, you don't have to live like that. Don't be confused. God's not angry with you about to hurt you. He loves you and wants to heal you. He's standing there all day long with his arms held out to a people that could be described as obstinate, but he loves them anyway. See, he freely loves you. Come on, Larissa, that's got to be good news, huh? Jorge, he loves you. I don't love me. But he does. And as he heals me, I love what he's doing. I love the man that he's making me into. I just don't like the one that I see now. The scripture gives us such an encouragement to end this with. It's a description of his free love. In 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins. That's a big if. Just going to tell you, it's a big if. Sometimes in Hebrew, when you want to say freely, <clears throat> there's not really an adverb that says freely, so they just repeat the word twice, and it indicates to a greater abundance, freely. I've noticed we do the exact opposite. When we confess sin, we divide it by two and multiply it by 0.5. When somebody says to you, I slipped and said a few bad words, it means that with artistry, they strung it together in a way that would make our Navy proud. When somebody says, I may have seen something that I shouldn't see, it means that they have baptized their mind in it in ways that no human being should do. And it's because we're concerned. You won't love us if you know us. That's, I mean, that really is it. We want to put our best foot forward. The problem is it's the best foot to lie. That's the problem. If we confess our sins, 
Think about the parable that you've just heard. We're not standing up comparing ourselves to other men. We're not saying, Lord, I did this, this, and this, and maybe I didn't quite, sort of, maybe it's possible I didn't get this right. We're not equivocating. If we tear our shirts, beat our chest, and say, Lord, this is what I did. He says, I love you. I will heal you. We are past anger and right into the loving and the fixing part. Oh, come on. If we confess our sins. I hope tonight that whatever's hindered you, you'll be able to throw off. His love compels you. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us. You've got to stop and think about this for just a second. You haven't told Him what your sin is yet. I know my wife loves me. I know she'll forgive me. That's because you hadn't told her what you did yet. Like, put that in perspective. Forgive you for forgetting to put down the toilet lid. Forgive you for forgetting to pick up the towel. Or forgive you because there's a dead body in your trunk. See, the scripture does not equivocate here. It does not qualify. It says, if we confess, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. Are you kidding me? Not knowing what you've done, He has promised to forgive you if you are just honest about your condition? Yes, because it was your poverty that He was drawn to. Come on, saint. See, knowing His free love allows you to be completely honest and get completely forgiven. But it doesn't stop there. It's the very best part of free love. He cures your waywardness. Listen to it here. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and, somebody say and, and. purify us from all unrighteousness. He's not just going to forgive you. He's going to fix you because He loves you that much. But He won't fix what you don't confess because you're not telling Him it needs to be fixed. Oh, church, He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. Then confess to Him freely that He might heal your waywardness. And then when you walk out of here tonight, you won't just know that He loves you. You might love you too because you see the new creation happening in you. Could you stand to your feet?